Good morning. It's Friday, December 18th, and I'm Duarte Geraldino. I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. David Sackler and Kathy Sackler are members of the billionaire family who own the company Purdue Pharma. They rarely make public appearances, but yesterday they were in front of a congressional committee. They told lawmakers they were sad about how Oxycontin contributed to the opioid crisis, but they never admitted any wrongdoing. Apparently, the Sacklers did say sorry during the hearing, although it was not an admission of guilt. The prescription medicine that our company manufactured and sold, which was never intended to harm anyone, ended up being part of a crisis that has harmed too many people. But members of Congress from both parties were not moved by the Sacklers' sadness or their message. You all are bad actors. I'm not sure that I'm aware of any family in America that's more evil than yours. I think it's clear that your family has tried to fraudulently shield money for your own personal benefit. We don't agree on a lot on this committee in a bipartisan way, but I think our opinion of Purdue Pharma and the actions of your family, I think we all agree, are, are sickening. The Sacklers are one of the richest families in the country. And if you want to understand their role in the opioid crisis, the person you want to turn to is Patrick Radden Keefe. He's been reporting on this family for years, and he has a book coming out about them next year. He wrote a piece for The New Yorker in October where he laid out how the Sacklers have used their fortune to so far avoid any personal or criminal culpability. Keith explains, although many pharmaceutical companies were involved in the opioid epidemic, Purdue played a specific and special role. Starting in the 90s, it marketed opioids as a safe painkiller and urged doctors to regularly prescribe this medication that we now know is incredibly addictive despite the company's earlier claims. Now, the CDC estimates the opioid epidemic killed about 400,000 people in the U.S. Prescription opioids, including OxyContin, caused more than half of those deaths. Now, Purdue Pharma is the defendant in about 3,000 lawsuits from around the country. And Purdue has agreed to pay billions of dollars in fines and forfeitures. In one settlement, the Sackler family agreed to pay $225 million in a case that involved how OxyContin was marketed. Now, that might sound like a lot of money, but it's only around 2% of the family's estimated $13 billion fortune. And while Purdue Pharma has admitted to criminal wrongdoing and even declared bankruptcy, the Sacklers themselves did not. Lawmakers on Thursday said profits from Oxycontin should be clawed back by the federal government to address the ongoing opioid crisis. We are getting closer to a coronavirus relief bill, but it looks like talks on a possible $900 billion stimulus package, they're going to stretch into the weekend. Lawmakers will likely pass a short-term spending bill to prevent the government from shutting down while they work on a bigger deal. So let's talk about what might be in the final package. There's potentially $330 billion for small businesses, which includes another round of funding for the Paycheck Protection Program. Lawmakers say there's going to be additional federal unemployment benefits, most likely $300 a week for 10 weeks. And stimulus checks are likely to be included as well, this time for $600 per adult and per child. That's half the amount of what was passed earlier this year. 
And lawmakers are still hashing out the details of who should be eligible for these stimulus checks. There are also several items that still haven't been ironed out yet. Republicans want to limit the Federal Reserve's emergency lending authority. But Democrats argue those kinds of limitations might get in the way of the new administration's attempts to stabilize the economy. Another sticking point, Democrats are asking for $1 billion to go toward FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, for COVID-related disasters. Republicans are pushing back on that request, saying this is a backdoor channel for Democrats to funnel money to cities and states. And that brings us to what's likely to be left out of any stimulus agreement. Democrats are no longer asking for more state and local aid. And for their part, Republicans stopped pushing for businesses to be shielded from COVID-19-related lawsuits. Another thing, you might remember this, we talked about it before on the show. There's an end-of-year deadline for states and cities to spend earlier rounds of federal COVID-related aid money. And the way things stand right now, if localities don't spend that funding in the next two weeks, they'll have to return it to the federal government. Democrats want to extend that deadline, but Republicans have resisted. We're learning more about the massive hacking operation that targeted the U.S. government. It's much bigger and deeper than any of us thought. Cybersecurity expert Morgan Wright put it this way on Fox News. It's been said on a scale of 1 to 10, this is probably an 11 for the type of attack, the magnitude, and the potential damage it's done. Around 18,000 companies and government agencies are believed to have been infiltrated by an operation that might have been running for years. And this includes high-profile targets like the Departments of State, Treasury, Homeland Security, and Energy. The Journal reports government officials and cybersecurity experts are claiming Russia is behind it, although Moscow denies this. Now, here's how the hackers did it. They infiltrated a company called SolarWinds. It's not a household name, but its software is widely used and not just by governments. A new report from Microsoft says many of its corporate customers were also hit. This attack was discovered when a security company noticed suspicious activity and had analysts search through 50,000 lines of code. They found a few dozen lines that weren't supposed to be there. That was the source of the hack. Cybersecurity experts told the journal they think the goal of these hacks was espionage, not sabotage. They think the intent wasn't to damage or shut down computer systems. The attackers wanted to collect information about how the government works. And they did it in a particularly sophisticated way, navigating around the usual red flags that let companies know that a cyber attack is underway. That means addressing the problem is not going to be easy. A simple security patch won't do the trick. What can Dippin' Dots tell us about the COVID-19 vaccine? Actually, kind of a lot. Okay, bear with me here. We've talked before about how the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine needs to be kept cold, like really cold. We're talking negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit. And that creates all kinds of challenges for distribution. Well, a story in Popular Science says if you want to understand the cold chain, take a look at Dippin' Dots ice cream. Maybe you've seen them at a theme park or a ball game. They're super expensive in part because of the technology needed to keep those weird little ice cream pellets cold enough. You see, a microbiologist invented Dippin' Dots. The company uses custom packaging and dry ice just like a vaccine shipments. Truck drivers need special training because dry ice can cause burns and frostbite if handled wrong. 
And they need a lot of dry ice to get this stuff around. If a Dippin' Dots truck gets stuck in traffic for too long, what happens is dry ice starts to turn into a gas. So it's no longer cold and the ice cream could melt. That's when the driver is supposed to call in for emergency refills of dry ice. Workers will come swap in dry ice. It's like a NASCAR pit crew. Once the special ice cream is delivered, it needs to be stored in ultra-low temperature freezers. And that's one of the reasons you don't see Dippin' Dots in many places. Most businesses don't have the right gear. And we're seeing that same problem with the Pfizer vaccine. A lot of hospitals and doctor's offices need to upgrade refrigeration to store the vaccine. By the way, Dippin' Dots would probably love to see the coronavirus get under control, just like the rest of us. You know, stadiums and theme parks have been shut down, so sales this year have apparently dropped 50 percent. You can find all these stories and more on the Apple News app. Plus, a quick update on a story we talked about earlier in the week. We told you about the more than 300 Nigerian schoolboys who had been reportedly kidnapped by Boko Haram. Well, yesterday, local officials announced most of the boys have been freed. We'll talk with you again on Monday.